welcome to the First Intuition Podcast. On this episode, we talk about exam results, what to do if you've received good or bad news. We recorded the session in front of a live Zoom audience. And if you'd like to join a future session, you can register for them. There will be a link in the show notes. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the First Intuition Podcast. My name is Ben Bullman, tutor and director at FI, and I'm joined this evening by my good friend and colleague, David Malthouse. Good evening, Dave. Evening, Ben. And it's been a long time since we since we did this together. We've had a, a break over the Easter period. And how was your, your Easter break, Ben? Easter break was good. I have been back in the classroom a bit. But I did get some time off over Easter and did also have a long weekend away in London with the family. Did some real touristy things in London that we haven't been able to do for a couple of years because of lockdowns. So really went to see the sites, Um, had a few tours around the Tower of London, went up to the Sky Garden. If any listeners have not done that, it's free. You have to book in advance, but you can go right up to the top of a really tall building and have really good views in all directions over London that I would highly recommend. So had some lovely time, but but not quite as exciting as, as your exploits. You've been out of the country, haven't you? Uh, I certainly have. Um, we, the family um, and I um, spent the last two weeks in Florida. So we, we've been at theme parks virtually every day for a fortnight. Um, one of my one of my favourite days at a theme park is we, we split in, into little groups. So my daughter and my wife went off in one group. Um, I went with my youngest son in another group and my eldest son, Henry, went off on his own. And we, we gave ourselves about five hours at Disney's Magic Kingdom to do as many rides as possible. So we all ran off in different directions and the rules were you had to take a photo, a selfie, on the ride and have it recorded in the family WhatsApp um, WhatsApp group uh, and see how many you could do um, before the time elapsed. It was really, really good fun. Um, and my, my wife and daughter won on the basis that I think they went to a lot of the smaller rides like Prince Charming's Carousel and the, the Beauty and the Beast teacup ride, um, which didn't have big queues and were over pretty quickly. Whereas the, the boys, all went for the big monster roller coasters that had much bigger queues, but really, really good fun. And hearing you talk about London, um, I, I was talking with my with my sons about do we do something like that in London where we, we pick a list of landmarks and get a travel card for the day and see how many of those landmarks you can get a selfie in front of in a certain amount of time. So I think we might, may try and do that because I think they were quite excited by the idea of jumping on different trains and running from the from kind of Buckingham Palace through to the Tower of London. We, we've never done it in, in the centres that I'm involved with in East Anglia, but I know our colleagues in Yorkshire have done a challenge where they've taken a first intuition pen with them on holidays or days out and tried to get as many pictures of an FI branded pen in locations. So maybe you could take one of our mugs, Dave, on your tour of London and see how many, how many landmarks you can get a picture of you holding up a first intuition. I should have done that on roller coasters, shouldn't I? So I've got photos of me on various different roller coasters. I have to ask about Florida. Being the stereotypical accountants that, that you and Kelly are, was there much planning that went into the, the rides? Did you have a spreadsheet that determined when you would be doing various activities on various days and which times you would be doing roller coasters? 
I mean, I think you have to have a plan as to what you're doing on a day by day basis. And then if anyone has been to any of those theme parks before, there are, some of the theme parks have got um, kind of special things where you can get um, kind of lightning lane or fast pass access to individual rides. But you have to book it kind of two hours in advance and then you can't book another one for two hours and timing those correctly to maximize your rides is um is really important um we made use of single rider access to rides quite a lot because the queues are much much shorter and you could just go in get the ride done and, and then join the rest of the group again so we yeah all kinds of planning went into maximizing your time on the biggest roller coasters Regular listeners to the podcast who have been with us right from the very start will know that me and my family were meant to go to Florida in 2020. And that obviously got cancelled when we went into lockdown. Um, so we, we got our money back in the end, which was fantastic. But actually, we're in the process of rebooking for next year. So awesome. I will be going to Florida next year. And my wife's already doing the equivalent of what I can only describe as a Gantt chart. Anybody that's done studies that involves a Gantt chart where you you measure time that is taken over various stages of a project. Uh, I've, I've got something similar that she's working on for the various rides that we need to plan to do on each day and how long we need to allocate between one ride and another. Mm. So I'm taking it all very, very seriously. So I'll be interested to sit down with you at some point, Dave, and get some hints and tips. Oh, absolutely. Pleasure to do so. So you had the benefit of time zones, which you said was really nice actually being in the USA because you were effectively um, working behind us in time. So you were yep. doing some emails in the morning and then we well, would I, switch off. I, mean, I, I, wasn't really do, I wasn't really doing much work, actually. Fair. I managed to switch off. But the thing that's always on my mind when I'm on holiday is that I know that if there's an emergency in the office, then there may be a phone call. You know, if something breaks or there's a flood or something like that, I'll probably get a call. But the lovely thing is that five o'clock in the UK is about midday in, in Florida. So when it gets to lunchtime, I know there's not going to be a phone call coming in. And I, I just I can completely de-stress because there's not going to be anything that happens at all. So it's lovely being in that kind of time zone. So I, I think, yeah, holidays to America, if you can get there. Um, you know, that, that latter part of the day, it's just lovely because no one can touch you in the UK because there's absolutely, you know, there's no expectation that you actually need to do anything. And yeah, really, I, I was so surprised at what a difference it made just having those, those five hours the other way. Good for you. Well, we did have some communications between ourselves while you're away because you sent me a really excited WhatsApp message to say, breaking news if listeners have not heard, the first Intuition podcast has been shortlisted, nominated for an award. We actually had the, the guys from the PQ Awards on the podcast um, last year, wasn't it, Dave? When they came and talked about the... I think it was the year before was last. It the year then. before, wow. It was 2020, so yeah. Time flies, doesn't it? They came and gave us a bit of a background to the PQ Awards. For those of you that don't know, PQ is a magazine, now a digital publication for students that are studying any of the accounting professional qualifications. Every year they have an awards, although they haven't held a formal ceremony where shortlist nominees have been invited. But this year they are. And we have been shortlisted for the FI podcast in their best use of social media category. Is that right, Dave? 
Yep, absolutely. So uh, we, we uh, I will be hot footing down to London for the awards on Monday. So I'm um, looking forward to to the to the event. There, there's some some tough competition. So, you know, hopefully we can come away with some kind of silverware at the end of it. But I understand, Ben, you're not able to join me, though, are you? I can't. Unfortunately, it's my one. Not unfortunately. Um, it's a really nice thing that it's my wife's 40th birthday. So we're actually going away for a long weekend. So I won't be back in London in time to go to the awards. So, um, Dave. I'm, I'm hoping the awards go well. I'm sure you'll have a great evening, whether we win or lose. But if we do win, I look forward to seeing the award when you bring it back to the office. And um, my the, the, my um, my centre Chelmsford is also shortlisted for College of the Year as well. So I'm there on, on two fronts. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how we do. So um, yeah, just looking forward to the event and look forward to seeing some of the other finalists. Well, it's always a good event when you go down there. Um, and nice to have it as a face-to-face event this year rather than the virtual event that we had last year. And, and fantastic news. I'm not sure I can call him a friend of the podcast yet. He's definitely been on one episode, but our, our good friend and colleague, Tim Howes, who is a tutor and a director up in our, our Norwich and Ipswich centres, he has been shortlisted for the very prestigious Tutor of the Year Award. So good luck if you're listening to him. Um, you you deserve it mate and hopefully the awards gives you the recognition that that you deserve yes absolutely so let's move on to our topic for this evening the other big thing that's happened while we've been away is results now results come out fairly regularly in our business particularly because most of the exams that are held session wise are quarterly so we are just on the back of having results for students that sat exams in march And we felt it would be a good topic of conversation to explore what you should be planning, thinking about, reflecting on post receiving your results. And we're going to cover both the good and the bad. Unfortunately, it's life that not all exams are passed first time. So you might be listening to this having failed an exam and thinking, what should I be doing next? You might, and hopefully you are listening to this having had good news and you've passed an exam, but still thinking, what should I do next? So we thought it would be a good idea to talk through. Dave, I'm sure you get lots of emails, as I do, from students in both of those positions, having just received their exam results. Absolutely. And normally it's the case that on, you know, the, the, the results are released on, uh, well, it's either midday, isn't it, at the end of the week for ICW results, or it's midnight on a Sunday for, for ACCA results. And usually um, there's a, a flurry of emails almost immediately that the results come out with people celebrating their success and that they've passed. And it's normally a little bit after that that we then get emails from people that have been unsuccessful. And it's not huge numbers that are unsuccessful, but they, you know, it, it is the case that these exams are tough. You know, when you look at global pass rates for ACCA papers being kind of 30, 35%, you know, it shows how difficult these exams actually are. So I don't think there's any shame in the fact that people are unsuccessful in the exams because they are tough. Um, and, and most people at some point in their careers are going to be unsuccessful in some kind of assessment, whether it is an ACCA and ICW exam, whether it's a tax exam, an AAT exam, you know, whether it's a GCSE or an A-level that you don't get great grace and expect. We are all going to have to encounter the fact that we don't achieve the things that we want to. 
So we've got a live audience of students with us on Zoom this evening. They are free to type into the chat box if they've got anything they want to reflect on or share. But I thought when I was kind of planning out how we would structure the session, that we'd probably start with the unfortunate position of having failed an exam. We'll then go on to talk about what you might want to be considering if you have had good news and you've passed. But let's start with exam fails. So if, if a student emails you, Dave, to say, Dave, unfortunately, I failed, what's your first response back to them on an email? The, the, the first thing is, is you know, I, I always feel awful. I, I, I feel terrible when people fail exams. I, 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 as I've mentioned before, I have failed an exam in the past. It felt horrible to fail an exam. It felt horrible for a long time after that. Um, it took me a long time to come to terms with it and actually be able to put myself in a position to, to succeed in the future. It took me the best part of six months to really come to terms with it. And so that that always kind of like um, goes through goes through my head. Uh, and the the you know the, after I kind of go through that, it, it's then it's then really trying to trying to work out why it was that someone was unsuccessful in the exam. And that's something that can sometimes take a little bit of time um, because it, it's very easy to, to point at an event and say, that was the one thing that caused me to fail the exam. And I, I, I've heard on a number of occasions that family weddings have caused exams to be failed. So why do, why do you think you're unsuccessful? Oh, because the weekend before the exam, there was a family wedding and I wasn't able to study. And my response to that is normally to then say, but what about the weekend before that family wedding? What about the weekend before that? What about the weekend before that? What about the days between the weekends? And normally when I kind of go through that investigation, it's not the case that there was a family wedding there. Really, it was a case that they didn't do enough work. And because they didn't do enough work, they weren't well enough prepared. And it's very easy to point at an event and say, oh, next time we'll be fine because there's not a family wedding rather than actually I didn't do enough work. And what I would have done is I would have crammed in that last weekend and it might have paid off. Okay, that's really what you're saying. Whereas if you recognize I didn't do enough work, I need to plan more effectively for my studies. And that gives me a better chance of passing. That's probably a more honest assessment. Now, I tend to think that there are, there are two reasons that you're not successful in exams. Number one is you don't do enough work. Okay. And that's normally quite easy to identify the fact that you didn't do enough work because there were weekends that you went out and evenings that you didn't do work when you really should have done. And the other one that's more difficult is that you did the wrong kind of work. And it's, it's sometimes quite easy to get swept up in doing the wrong kind of work. Uh, and, you know, I, I always you know, point to people rewriting their notes in various different colours and underlining and highlighting things rather than doing question practice. Now, Ben and I, you know, we know that question practice is the absolute key to improving your marks and rewriting your notes and highlighting things and using post-it notes a lot doesn't have the same impact on your results as practicing questions. So where are you doing the right kind of work? And it might be the case, oh, I did loads of practice questions. Or did you do practice questions that covered the syllabus? Or did you do, as a lot of students do, practice questions that make themselves feel good, which means doing the syllabus areas that you're really comfortable with? So it might be the case, Ben, that someone you know, spent a lot of time doing income tax questions because they love income tax. 
but forgot about corporate tax and VAT and inheritance tax. And that's a mistake as well. So doing the wrong kind of work is almost as dangerous as not doing enough work. And determining which one it was, that's something that requires a lot of honesty and a real evaluation of what did I actually do. And once you've identified that, it's then a case of, well, what do I need to do different next time? And I guess the third element of it is, is how far away were you? And that's going to determine how much extra work or different work you need to do. If you come away with, 49 percent as i know one of our audience talks about that that's a minor change that could be actually i need to focus more question practice on an area that i i accept i was weak at and that will change my mark if it was 20 percent, that's a wholesale kind of changing in um in the way that you study in the way that you attack things so they're they're my initial thoughts um in terms of what what I, I tend to do with students when that when I get the the awful news that they weren't successful. What what, what about you, Ben? Very similar, actually. I, I think we've we've both been around the block. We've we've been many results sessions where we've had students contacting us. I think that that the first thing echoing what you said is that element of honesty. I think it's quite hard for people to admit they failed an exam. They are embarrassed. They are, are worried about what that means. Um, we are not here to judge people. I know you, Dave, and I would like to think I, I don't make judgments. I really just want to help people to learn from past mistakes and improve their chances of passing the next time. So we're not asking because we, we want to, to tell you off. We're asking because if we can truly get to the root cause of why you failed, we can then start helping you to work out how you're going to avoid those same mistakes for the next sitting. I appreciate that resitting exams come with financial consequences. Lots of students doing it with the support and sponsorship of work, which means you need to inform them. And it, it's stressful at that point. But the hardest thing is actually acknowledging the fail, which is why going back to your observation that the people we normally hear from on results day is the good news and then the bad news fails kind of come out of the woodwork over the next week to 10 days so if you're listening to this having failed an exam and you've kind of hidden away from it I would encourage you to tackle it head on let people know and ask for help and support um as far as the reason people fail I like students to have a bit of a reflection. The first question I would probably ask them is, are you surprised you failed? Now, it's never nice failing an exam, but I feel more sorry for the students that thought they should have passed and eventually failed. I think most students, however, on reflection would say, well, do you know, Bot Ben, I didn't come out of the exam feeling particularly great. Looking back now, as you said, I don't think I was as well prepared as I should have been. Something came up in the exam that I wasn't expecting or I wasn't prepared for, or my timing just went completely out of the window on the day. I missed questions. I had to rush towards the end. I was guessing answers and I didn't give myself the, the, the kind of the time I needed to fully justify what I can do. So if we can get back to some of the reasons behind it, the likes of me, Dave, and our wonderful colleagues at FI can start hopefully coaching, mentoring, supporting students for, right, well, how are we going to avoid the same mistakes happening again? Because that's when it gets more frustrating. 
if you make and repeat the same errors for the next sitting and the next sitting, that's where it's clearly having a big time delay to your qualification or completion of a level. It's coming with the financial cost because the exam entry fees are not cheap. And so those are then racking up. So we really want to help you to prepare best for your reset. The final thing I ask and similar to you is what score did you get? Because we can read into that and it will probably have a bearing on what we then advise a student to do over the coming weeks and months before they take the exam again. If they were close, as you say, that is unlucky. It's very frustrating, but it indicates that their knowledge was not miles off what it needed to be. They might have just had a, a particularly tough question, something that they weren't prepared for, which we will try and then get them to be a bit resilient and think, right, do I need to broaden my knowledge? Do I need to look at the area of the notes that I really hated? But if I can conquer that, it's going to get me the extra 10% that I need to be a comfortable pass. If the score was significant, and I think you talk about margins of 10%, of Dave, is that right? Absolutely. I, I, I've got this idea that um, every student has got the mark that they should get based on their knowledge, the work they put in, their application. So say I am a, you know, I, I'm a 70% student, and, and that's the mark that I should get in the exam based on my knowledge and my, my application and all of those things. Um, I think that if you're at that 70, you should, in the exam, you could be scoring plus or minus 5%. So if it's a tough exam or nerves get to the better of you or your timing falls apart, a 70% student should, will probably drop down to 65. If it is the dream exam for you, you know, you literally walk into the exam and go, I can, you know, I've done this question before. You know, I, I know exactly how to attack it. I think your mark raises to about 75. So I think there's kind of a, a you're absolutely about a 10% swing around where your good marks are. So if, if someone comes on and says, I had a really tough, really bad exam and I got, you know, 47% and it was the hardest exam I've ever done. I think you're probably a 52% student, which means if an exam was perfect, you could get up to 57. So the thing that, that what that you know helps me to do is to say, well, in your mock exams, if you're regularly achieving 55, 56, 57%, even a bad exam is only going to take you down by five. So you should be at the right kind of level. If you go into the exam and you're averaging 50%, you're on an absolute knife edge. A tough exam or bad timing or nerves in the exam is going to make you just slip below that line. So I, 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 that's where I tend to be, be thinking of going into the exam. That's what you need to be averaging. If you can average 60%, in every mock exam you do, I don't think you'll have any trouble passing the exam. If you're averaging bang on 50, if you're averaging 48%, that means you need a really good exam just to elevate you. So then the margins that I tend to work on it. I think it's rare to see someone that is wildly below or wildly above the mark that they've been averaging if they've been doing plenty of mock exams leading up to the exam. The other thing I think it's worth raising at this stage is if you were particularly close to passing, so you fail by the odd one or two marks. Something that students often ask me is, is it worth me contacting the awarding body to appeal my score? Overwhelmingly, my experience, I've now been teaching for over nine years. Dave, you've got a few extra years on me. My overwhelming experience is that those exam results do not get overturned. 
Myself and Dave have spoken to the institutes. We've spoken to markers who will inform us that if the score was particularly close, it will have already gone through an element of internal checking and scrutiny. And I think actually that's playing on clutching at straws for the student and almost delaying embracing the fail and working towards the reset. It's that kind of potential um, pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, but reluctantly, I would say um, it's a waste of time. Dave, any response to that? Um, I, I've seen appeals be successful only in one scenario, and that was with an AAT exam. Um, and the, the reason that it was successful was the appeal was on the exam content, not on the marking. And um, there was a question that was in an assessment that students felt was outside of the syllabus. And when it was challenged, the, the AAT publish a list of what they call their learning objectives or learning outcomes. And that, uh, and that effectively says, this is, these are all the questions that you can be asked in the exam. And a student or students felt that something was asked that was not in that list. When it went to appeal, the AAT said, actually, I think you're right. I think that this question is actually outside the remit of what we can test. And they then had to adjust and remark accordingly. So that's the only time that I've seen an appeal on a result overturned was because the exam was unfair. So I haven't seen an exam overturned because the marking was wrong or the marking was incorrect. So I'm sure that there are circumstances where it has happened, but very, very rarely. Okay, and, and we did speak with a, an, a, with an examiner um, a, a, a year and a half ago, and that examiner had worked for more than one institute. And they said that if you are borderline and within about five marks of the pass mark, your script will have been marked many, many times. So not just by one marker, it will have been marked by a number of people. Uh, and it may even have gone to the chief examiner to actually review that script before the marks been released the other thing i'm reliably informed is that markers are desperate for you to pass they want you to pass and they will do everything they can to try and award you marks if you've earned them the other thing that frustrates me at this stage is when a student then starts saying there were problems on the day of the exam there was a problem with the computer i was using there was a problem with the venue i was at if you haven't raised that at the time yeah. it's too late we always encourage students, if there was a problem and things go wrong on the day of an exam, always, always, always flag it at the time. File an official incident report with the examining body. They've all got mechanisms to raise that. And you have got a window of opportunity once the exam has been sat to raise those. You can't now start raising problems that you encountered as the, the reason that you want your result reviewed because they just won't entertain it. You have missed the window for that appeal. Absolutely. So yep. please, 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 if you have problems on the day of the exam, raise it at the time, make a big noise about it, then fill in all of the forms and give all of the statements that you need to be honest, but disclose the problems because then it will be considered in your marking and in your grading, but they won't retrospectively now go and start investigating problems that happened um, eight, nine weeks ago. Right. So we, we've come to terms with the fail. And that's the first thing. You've got to come to terms with it. You've got to acknowledge what went wrong and start thinking about what we can do about it. So the next question I will be asked by a student routinely who's failed, when should I do my reset? Should I book my reset exam? And increasingly now with the quarterly sittings and tight windows for bookings, 
and this is across all of the exam bodies, ACCA, ICAW, SEMA and AAT, it feels like students are very much backed into a corner. You get your result and you need to book your resit pretty much straight away if you want to sit it at the next available sitting window. Dave, what's your advice to a student with regards to should I sit my resit as soon as possible at the next available slot? Uh, it's a really hard question. I think that has to come down to um, two things. It has to come down to how close were you? So if you were very, very close, there's a massive argument to sit the exam as soon as you can because you've already got the knowledge. It's not going to take that much more additional work as long as it's the right work to get you over the line. So that's number one. How close were you? If you're sitting there with eight percent, then, you know, you're practically studying from scratch because you, you, you clearly didn't know and understand the syllabus. So, you know, you could take it next sitting or you could take it in three sittings time. You don't have that enough prior knowledge for it really to give you an advantage with studying. So one is going to be your mark. The other thing that I would look at is, are you currently planning to sit an exam at the next sitting and how far down the road are you? So if you've been studying for the last month and you're feeling great, about your tax exam that you've been studying towards and you've just heard the news that you failed your financial reporting exam, okay, I, I would be thinking if you've invested the time so far in tax and you're really on track and you're enjoying it and you're happy, I would continue with that tax exam. Okay, Now, if you could then fit your reset alongside it and you can balance those studies, go for it. But otherwise, I would leave it until the next sitting. So it, it, it's, you know, I would try and do it as soon as possible but I would think about those other two things. Are you currently doing another paper? And what was the mark like? Because if you've got 8% and you studied to the last exam, you probably don't have enough time to be able to study effectively to pass that exam from a standing start of 8%. I think, and I've used the term already tonight, I think that's the time to have an honest conversation. Be honest with yourself, be honest with other people. Could you manage and cope with the reset alongside another exam that you are studying for? Is there any particular big work commitments that are coming up? Students will often acknowledge that work is seasonal. So if you're coming up and in the next quarter is going to be the company's year end and you know you're going to be very busy at work, working extra hours, that's something else that you need to factor in. Is there any particular events in your own life coming up? So is there any holidays that you've got booked? Is there any kind of family parties that you know you are committed to? And having all of those honestly acknowledged up front will really help you in your own head come to a sensible conclusion. I do feel students are often pressured into saying what they think other people want them to say. So it's quite natural and easy for a student to say, oh, yeah, I'll reset next time and I'll still do the other one and over promise to people. Now, although at the time you are saying what you think you should be saying, clearly that's not doing yourself any good. And in the long run, it's not doing the people that you are talking to any favours as well. I quite often get invited to calls at this time of the year with students, their employers, maybe their skills coach or or tutor from FI, just to sit down and talk about the options for doing a reset, doing another exam, and basically remapping out their study planner for the rest of this year. And if that means there is a knock-on effect, there is a delay to another unit, or you have to put the reset back to another sitting, 
then so be it. But it's worth planning for that upfront, being honest and, and having that plan, not just saying yes. And then in another three weeks time, realizing everything is too much and risking failing a new subject as well as failing the reset and being in a much worse position in a further three, four months time. Um, so let's let's go with the, the situation that you are going to reset at the next sitting. Dave, what tips and advice would you give for a student that has now booked their exam to reset at the next available slot in maybe, say, two months time? Well, it's, it, again, you've been honest with yourself. You realise what the issue was. Was it, was it the fact you didn't do enough work? And in which case you weren't familiar enough with the syllabus. Was the case you were actually really familiar with the syllabus, but you hadn't done enough question practice. I would also think about the way that you study and do you understand what helps you get through exams? And I, I was actually coaching a, a, a small group of people to the ICW FM exams, this, the, the last exam sitting. And it was a group of students that had been unsuccessful before. And something that I noticed with, with these, this group of students, and it, and it wasn't all of them, it was, it was some of them, is that, that they went through a phase of, they would do a practice question and they would do really badly in it. And it, it would be a really, really poor score. They would then do a, a practice question on the same syllabus area, okay? And they would make the normal mistakes that I would expect a student to make, okay? And they would do it a third time and they'd be brilliant. And they needed to go through that process of doing a question and doing really badly, doing a question and doing okay, and then doing it again and doing it really well. And it was, they had to do a question, you know, three questions on the same syllabus area to really cement that technique in their, uh, in their minds. And I noticed that after kind of a day or so of doing some tuition with them. And then I got them to do that. And I said, look, these are the key syllabus areas that you're going to be tested on in this exam. Here are three questions on each one of those syllabus areas. And I want you to do exactly what we've done together. Do it once. And we know it's going to be horrid and audit, where did you go wrong? Where do you need to improve? What were the mistakes you made? Do a second question on the same area, okay? And you'll see the improvement. Do a third question and you're gonna see how well you can actually do. And they did that, they went through that process in every one of those key syllabus areas. Okay? And come the exams, they've all been successful. But that's something that, you know, in a big class where we've got 20 people, you can't necessarily evaluate with every single one of them who's going through that process. But it is something that your awareness of you know, being honest, doing a question and being prepared to do badly in that question okay, and then evaluate what went wrong. What do I need to do differently? Doing a similar question and seeing where the improvement is. And, and I know that you know, my personal rule of thumb is normally most people need to do it twice. You might need to do it three times. You might need to do it four times okay, to, to be able to get that change so that you actually pass the exam. So that, that's one of the things that I, I would, you know, being honest with yourself about what you need to do. Where did it go wrong and what do I need to do to improve it? Uh, and, you know, for me, as, as we all know, question practice is the key. It, about how much question practice are you doing it in the right areas? Making that plan to get you to the exam. I think a couple of bits to add. One is reach out for the additional support that's available. Don't sit there and suffer on your own. Reach out to your tutor that taught you previously. Is there anything else I can do? Is there anything else I can join? Is there anything else I can get involved with? 
Um, make sure you are aware of any changes to the syllabus. As we're recording this, I'm not aware of any changes that are coming for the next round of exams, but syllabuses will be updating later in 2022. So watch out and just make sure you are aware of what's come in or gone out from the exam that you are preparing for, because historically, stuff that comes into a syllabus is potentially going to be more on the examiner's radar. So it's more likely to come up when they first put it into an exam syllabus, because if not, what's the point of putting it into the syllabus? So be prepared for anything that's changed and different. And if you don't know, contact your usual first intuition contact. Our publishing teams usually do a great job at giving us a couple of sides of A4 for each exam. What's come in, what's gone out, what's changed from when you studied and when your notes were first written. Um, set yourself some target milestones. Obviously, you've now come to terms with it. If you're going to be doing questions, be realistic with yourself. And something that we've talked about in other episodes of the podcast, putting a study plan together. But say, realistically, could you do one previous exam paper a week between now and the exam? And if so, when are you going to do it? Oh, well, I could probably find three hours every Friday evening. Great. That's what you need to do then. But doing exam questions, doing them to time and having a proper debrief of them. I think that's the thing that students massively underestimate. They are aware of the time it takes to do an exam and to do an exam question. But when we're in the classroom, Dave, I usually take at least the same length of time, if not even slightly longer, to then have a proper debrief, go through the model answer, look at where you did well, where you did badly. And that's where I think students sometimes shortcut themselves. They will sit and do a question for 45 minutes and then read the model answer for five minutes and think, well, I've done that one, I'm on to the next one. But actually to do a proper debrief does take, I think, as long as the exam question took you to produce i, I agree that that the, the doing a full audit on your on your answer isn't a it shouldn't be just a, a ticking exercise um i, I was thinking it should be a, an exercise in how many marks do i get and how do i improve next time what do i need to do to get better and that's what we always focus on is is you know if if everyone gets the right answer to, to a question in class i spend very little time reviewing it because you, you know what you're doing it's when we don't get the right answer that's when we spend time thinking well where 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 did we go wrong along the way what steps did we miss out or what analysis did we miss out on or what do we fail to identify in a question and that's the bit that takes time and if you didn't spot it when you did the question it's going to take you time to understand where it actually is in the question why you should have done it so it is worth investing that time you're absolutely right ben well, hopefully, if you are listening to this, having received bad news in exam results, that's given you some thoughts. It's given you some motivation. Again, I would just reaffirm, contact your usual FI contact. We are here to help and support. We know how to deal with students that need to reset exams. But for the, the final part of the, the evening's recording session, I thought we'd talk about, well, what happens if you've got good news with the exam? Sometimes we focus a lot on the fails, but actually forget that the vast majority of students will hopefully have had good exam results and will have passed. So, Dave, when a student emails you to say, Dave, brilliant news from results, I've passed, what 
response stages do you go through in that situation? Uh, massive smile on my face, big cheer, um, huge congratulations. So it, it's you know my default is always to to congratulate them, say really really well done. Um, it, it's you know there's always kind of you know the the you know the passes that really stand out. And, and normally the passes that stand out for me are not necessarily the prize winners, but it, it's where, where people have had a knockback. So I, I got the, the wonderful news from one of my students doing advanced performance management um, at, at the last exam sitting that he passed the exam and it was the sixth time that he'd sat that exam. So, you know, I, I was absolutely delighted. It's one of the ones I was really watching out for because I know how the struggle has been for him. And, and on the sixth attempt, He's, he's now successful. So um, yeah, really, really great to see it. So, you know, it's always congratulations. I always love it if it's a bit of a story. And then my normal question is, you know, and what's next? So, you know, if, if someone's just fi finished their final exam, I'm so keen to find out what their careers, what, what's going to happen with their career now, you know, because you have suddenly got that time back that you would spend studying, you know, it's, it's you know, where next for you. So I'm always super keen to hear where people are going next. And, and when it is the case that someone's passed the exam and they've still got more exams to do, you know, it, it's, in, let, yeah, let's, let's keep that momentum going. Let's really, you know, try and, you know, hammer home and go through the next exam. So um, it, it is for me, it's that, you know, keep that momentum going. There's also an element of, you know, also be honest with yourself. You know, if you got, if you just got yourself 52% and you felt it was the best exam you'd ever taken and everything went, went well for you, then you know that you're probably at that borderline. You maybe need to change the way that you study a little bit for the next exam to make sure that you're not quite as close to that, to that borderline. You know, if you thought it was the hardest exam ever and you got 53%, that's probably an indication that actually your mark should, your true mark's probably a little bit higher. Yeah, I, I think there's, there's the tendency to say, I pass, I'm on to the next one, which is the right spirit but you can and should take a few moments just to reflect back what score did you get as Dave said if you just scraped it few that one's off your plate but actually next time are you going to just scrape through or are you sadly just going to fall under can you learn from how well prepared you were even if you pass the exam you can still improve next time you might want to think about what particularly went well. It's great that you passed an exam. Did you try something different? Did you do the exam in a different location? Did you sit it remotely? Did you do anything noticeably different in your preparation that you can hopefully try and emulate going forward? But also acknowledge, very rare that a student gets 100% in the exams. They are very tough exams after all. So what didn't work as well? What feelings do you want to try and avoid when you sit your next unit? Something coming up that you felt I should have prepared better for. Time management, was it still a problem? So try and reflect a bit. Don't just pat, pat, pat yourself on the back. Obviously celebrate, but, but reflect. Another thing, you were visibly punching the air when students were contacting you, Dave. I would just say, please, please, please let your tutors know this is uh, something that, that I see a lot. We work with some fantastic tutors. Everybody acknowledges that the great support and um, motivation you get. Tutors really, really like it when students then drop them an email just to let them know how they go. We don't always get notified of the results. We certainly don't always know what score students have got. 
And so if I could ask you, please, to let your tutor know, it will really help them. And that's a good thing for them and you going forward. Um, couple of other tips from me. I used to go through a bit of a ritual where if I passed the exam, I would box up my study folders and go and stick them up in the attic at home. But I knew they were up there because usually when you step up to a further level or the advanced stage papers, there will be things that you need to recount and go back over from those lower level exams. So I wouldn't advocate throwing your study folders in the dustbin or burning them or recycling them. I would suggest hang on to them if you've got the space, try and find somewhere where you can keep them because they are likely to be useful as you progress through your studies. Even if it's just, oh, I'm going to be starting advanced tax in two weeks, maybe I should just review my taxation folder to familiarise myself with the layouts, the workings, the proformas that I was good at when I did my exam, but that might have been six months, 12 months ago. Um, then we're on to the next unit, and that's usually the mindset from a student, right, I want to learn from this motivation and this feeling and actually kick on with my studies. So we're back to the usuals of setting realistic time frame, thinking about which exam subject you should do next. Is there one that you have to do in a particular order? Have you got a choice which one might be suitable? Is there anything you could start doing early? Maybe your course won't start for two, three weeks, but could you do any pre-reading? Could you get a previous unit folder and just get back up to speed with the basics of management accounting before you go on to do performance management or the basics of financial accounting before you do financial reporting? Contacting your tutor in advance. So tutors love it when students email them after results, but they also like it when a student reaches out and says, oh, I'm going to be in your class in two weeks time. Is there anything you would suggest I do for the two weeks while we're waiting for the course to start? Because tutors will come back. They will say, oh, yes, you should read this or I can find you some material or we can give you online access to the previous unit so you can gen up before you go and sit the next one. Um, what's your thought there, Dave, on the onward study journey for a student? Well, one of the things you mentioned there, I, I think that I, I actually came across today, I spoke with one of my, my colleagues, Becky, in the, uh, who's, who teaches our tax units in Chelmsford, and she's just, today was day one of um, ACCA Advanced Tax, and she said that one of her students had actually reached out to her before he started to say, look, I was, I was exempt from the first tax paper because of the degree I did at university. And as a result, my tax knowledge is really, really old. What can I do to get up to speed? And she gave him access to the, the tax paper that he'd been exempt from, the online access. Um, and you know, it, it, she actually worked with him to go through, you know, oh, you should look at this and this, then this, this is the plan of the most important parts. He went through those things. And today she came out of class just saying that he is brilliant. You know, he, he's come really well prepared, really on top of his knowledge and is an absolute pleasure to teach. And normally students that are in that position where their exemption was granted because of work they did four, five, six years ago, normally they really struggle going into that. So it, it just makes a huge amount of difference you know, to, to your learning journey if, if you have recaps on that prior knowledge. So I think that's really, really important. Uh, I do think you're absolutely right in terms of planning, making sure that you have got a plan. One of the things that I, 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 you know, I would just re-emphasize is 
you know, is celebrate your success. And I think you you briefly mentioned it is you know, be aware of how it feels when you are successful. You know, be aware of how good it feels. You know, and you know, try and you know, just picture you know that feeling, that moment in time, so that when it gets tough and when it gets hard, you can think back at how great it felt to pass. And if you can remember that, that's going to help you when times get difficult. It's going to help you if you fail and examine the future to think how great it felt when you passed. Because that's what we're aiming for, is we're aiming for you to feel that great in that final exam when you passed it and when you can use those letters after your name. So, so don't, you know, don't, don't forget to just take note of, of how it feels to be successful, because it is a feeling like no other when you know you've proved that that you've got that level of knowledge and you've passed an exam and you've shown that that, that institute that you've got the required level and the required standard so i, I yeah, wouldn't be shy about that and then yeah, you have to write plan for the next one uh, and you know hopefully you'll feel that great again next time if not reflect it felt great last time that's what i want to get back next time fantastic advice and i think a, a really good place to end tonight's session we are over time. As always, there is more that we could say, so we can move that to a, a future episode. But I'm going to say thank you for joining us live audience tonight. Thank you for listening. And I will hand over to Dave to do the wrap up for this week's episode. Thank you very much, Ben. And um, it's been you know, another great evening and you know, I really appreciate having time to talk about you know, the, it, it, exams and, and people's success and failure. And I, I, I think this, you know, it's, lovely to share the time with you Ben but uh, I do actually want to to give a shout out to to one of our listeners because um I, I was in our center in Chelmsford today and uh, a student that I, I I haven't taught for a number of years face to face because uh, of Covid and all those kind of things was actually in um, studying her ACCA exam so I want to say hi to Evie because she came along to say hello and then just as she was about to go back into class she said I love the podcast listen to it every week and thank you for doing it so I want to thank Evie for, for downloading and, and really making my day by um, by saying that to me and thanks to everyone else that takes the time to, to download and listen to to the podcast it is much much appreciated the fact that you're here and you're listening is one of the reasons why we did get nominated for that award so i want to thank you once again for for those people that did nominate us to give us our shortlist for that award um hopefully we'll be successful we'll let you know next week but uh, until then if you do get the chance could you please um leave a comment um, leave feedback on whatever your your podcast services it really does mean a lot to us and it does help us with visibility and getting the message out and, and helps with the other podcast providers showing us in their charts and things like that so if you could take the time just to, to leave a review leave a few a few words or just give us a rating that'd be much much appreciated but until next week stay safe everyone and we'll see you soon